Hey everyone, when we recorded this episode, the podcast was called Final Frontiers. That's no longer the case, we're now Here Come the Warm Gents. Apparently a homoerotic-filled innuendo that I originally thought was a tribute to Brian Eno, but I have been duped. But either way, it's still a great name. Here Come the Warm Gents, and here they come. No Mason, no Marshall, no service. That's what they should call this episode, so we would have known not to get our hopes up for, for Mason Dixon, Marshall Flinkman, or uh, for service. <laughs> uh, hi, Internet. This is Final Frontiers. Uh, I'm Matt. And I'm Mitchell. Uh, we're the Internet's first and only alias podcast. Interesting episode this week. So my computer died, losing, uh, gratefully, only one of our original recordings and uh you guessed it it's this recording yeah or it, it it was the episode of this recording this is a redo yes you can see the description of what you're listening to on your device whether it's a computer a smartphone a tablet what have you so you already know it's uh season one episode 16 of the prophecy uh our enthusiasm for this might be a little muted compared to uh past episodes we're we're not fakers we're not going to try to to uh, make it seem seem like something it's not. I realized, I think we both did, that, uh, you know, we had a lot of, a lot of good stuff. I, remember, the- I, remembered, I remembered some of it over the course of watching it, but then yeah. I also, uh, like, I was watching it on my phone, so I couldn't take notes on my phone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit, I actually thought of something you to talk about. And then I was like, oh, I'll remember it. And of course, like, by minute 42 or 41 of a 42-minute uh, episode, I was like, shit, I forgot. I forgot that new bit that i was going to bring to it yeah and i realized that most of my notes are centered around kind of ambushing mitchell which was trying to make him giggle <laughs> that's what's best in life and uh, i don't know how i'm going to do that this time I just well listen we'll just say we'll go we'll go over what you wanted to go over your notes well i i feel like we had a lot of gold last time we had a lot we, of quality stuff about all of, the all the flat screens yeah that are new a, to the <laughs> the alias set we were we loved it was like oh yeah there's the flat screens we talked about there's yeah. the uh save everything else yeah because i'm not going to bring up the flat screens okay needless to say there are uh several flat screen monitors and i think they might be new at the time of this uh of this filming and they're tight and i think i brought it up last time they're also touchscreen they they do some voting on them yeah it's like uh what what america's (laughs) america's funniest on videos it's like oh shit they're tapping their screens to vote (laughs) all right so we are discussing uh season one episode 16 the prophecy written by john eisendraft who also co-wrote the box two-parter and directed by Davis Guggenheim, who went on to become an acclaimed documentarian. Mitchell, you've heard of uh, An Inconvenient Truth, Waiting for Superman, Might Get Loud. Yeah. Those were all uh, Davis Guggenheim. Wow. Yeah, quite the... This, he only directed, uh, I think, this one episode of Alias. And then, then said, fuck it, it's all documentaries from, there, from here on in. Not a lot of other non-documentary things. So good for him. Thinks he's better than us. Uh, but does he? Oh, let's just assume he does, so we can say, fuck him. Yeah, I mean, he is an acclaimed documentarian, so I guess in that regard specifically, he's better than us. But who knows? Maybe he beats his wife. Oh, yeah. has a bunch of cho- children he's never seen, nor yeah. paid for. We don't know. He yeah. could be a gr- his heart seems to be in the right place with the subject matter. Okay. I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that he's not only a talented filmmaker, but also a good human being. But you don't know. Outside of that, he could be... Uh, Maybe he doesn't recycle. Yeah. Netflix summary. The Department of Special Research inquires about Sydney's connection to the Rambaldi notebook. All right. Wikipedia summary. Sydney is tested by the Department of Special Research to discover her mysterious link to a chilling 500-year-old picture and prophecy foretold in the Rambaldi manuscript. A drawing of a woman who bears an eerie resemblance to her appears in a blank page of the manuscript thanks to the revealing substance in the vial that McInnes Cole tr- had tried to steal from SD6. Meanwhile, after uncovering the identity of the rogue group leader, The Man, Sloane learns through fellow Alliance of Twelve member Edward Poole that a close friend may be working with the enemy. There we go. All right. We have to talk about this shit again. 
Oh, this is the worst. I hate talking about Alias. Why did we commit to 104 episodes of this? <laughs> Why did we just say, fuck it? We lost episode 16. Deal with it. Well, 17. We're, well, we're here now, and we haven't watched episode 18. Yeah. So uh, uh, we, did, we did watch 17. We did watch 17. We did record an episode for 17. Yeah, it's, and it's great. <laughs> Could be. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think my, my the, the the stream of laughter that erupted immediately after I called it great should say that it's <laughs> I'm full of shit. I have no memory of whether or not these are good. Like, I, well, I, I was listening back to them, and I'm like, oh, this, is, this isn't terrible. I think there's some pretty good laughs. Yeah, throughout. I would hope that our friends, at the very least, are amused. And he shit his pants to the tune of thirty pounds of feces. Good stuff. Was a good, was a good thing. Made me laugh. So, yeah, some good quotes. Yeah. Is that spoilers? No, that already no, happened. No, that already happened. <laughs> that already happened. It'd be spoilers for anybody listening to us in this room now. Yeah. Or out of people that are just like, fuck it, I want to start at episode 16 because Roger Moore is in it. Hey. Oh, did I, did I spoil it? So uh, we open with a government official pleading with a senator for more resources. A senator who has a, like a slight southern drawl. I think the actor was like, oh, I'm going to be a senator. I might as well have a... I'm a senator on like a panel or a commission. I might as well throw some... The chairman will not recognize anything that might take <laughs> the government out of speculation to do good for the... Like, he, he throws in that swagger you see, like, in a... What's his face? A in John Grisham movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's a part of the Special Committee on Intelligence, which I didn't notice the first time I watched this. The, spe- the Special Committee on Intelligence? Too too busy taking notes, not yeah. watching the screen closely enough. I wonder what else I've missed. I feel like I was too busy eating Chinese food the second time around, so... So you broke even? Yeah, and I, I paid attention more to like the the shitty music. Even Steven, only the, the the delivery man one, I guess. What? You were even Steven, only the delivery man what, one. What I delivery guess. man? The guy who brought you the Chinese food. Oh no, I went downstairs, uh, ordered it at because it's like right around the corner from my office. So I ordered like it was ready in five minutes. I took it back upstairs and I watched Elias. You're being very pedantic. Yeah, <laughs> describing <laughs> what I did. I'm sorry, <laughs> whoever. Uh, prepared and put into a thing the chinese food that you ate yeah they're the ones who won with this episode how is that because they got a meal out of you wait wait i was gonna you didn't watch alias any closer because you're eating chinese food Uh uh-huh that doesn't help me any no it doesn't help our i needed to eat lunch our loyal fan and it was something that i could i could order and get back quick so i could i can watch the episode so that was all right. I think that was I, I, I pulled out so I pulled you, ahead slightly in my personal life it, and my lunch life. You watched it more closely than if you were preparing a turkey dinner. Yes. Than if you were watching it on Thanksgiving. Or I watched it more closely or listened to it more closely if I had like my phone in my hands since I was watching it on my phone through Netflix. That's right. So I couldn't like be looking at bullshit or You were watching tapping. it at work? Yeah. Oh. On my lunch break. Oh. All right. Today? Yeah. Oh wow. Cut it close. Yeah, I, I watched it on Monday. I don't know. What, what, and what could you possibly remember? I don't remember okay. anything. Yeah. I'm referring to my uh, my three week old notes. Your three week, four page long. Oh, eight, they're, they're, eight point type single spacing. They're thorough. Yeah, yeah. like the fucking guy from Seven with all those notebooks. Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Was, oh yeah, it's him, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, spoiler shit. for Seven. If you're just starting Seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you pause Seven to listen to this, there's, there's like some Twilight Zone episode where someone is. I'm going to start Seven, but first, let me listen to episode 16 of some bullshit podcast <laughs> about a TV show. Oh no! I no, ruined Seven ruined a little bit. Oh. All right. So the senator he throws off his glasses. You want money for Ramboli? I am sick of hearing about Rambaldi in these hollowed halls <laughs> of the Senate. And then he, but then he looks at the, uh, the ballpoint pen drawing of a white woman. That'll do it. And he looks at the photo of a white woman. He's like, oh, whatever you need. Well, our coffers are open to you, madam. <laughs> well, uh, what was the name of the actress you, you brought this uh, up? Lindsay Krause. She, makes the, uh, she starts making the point. You know, uh, does she start... I get the, I get confused because we we hear Department of Special Research here for the first time. Mm-hmm. It gets reiterated again to Sydney by Vaughn because we're the dumb audience who can't pay attention. And we need to have it hammered in, and we're thankful for it. Right. But does she mention that they were founded in World War II? To no, that might have been Vaughn's speech. Right. That's in the Vaughn speech. But she makes a she makes a strong argument that like we need as many we need resources and we need to figure this out. And he's like looking down at the paper. And he I think I believe as she's describing who Sydney Bristow is, we're mm-hmm. watching her 
being chased by dogs and narrowly avoiding yeah. machine gun fire. Running through the woods, being chased by dogs. Like, uh, like what's your name in Moonraker? Like, <laughs> and she jumps off a cliff. Not nearly as beautifully shot, though. No, what is? So few things are. Yeah. Shot like a Terrence Malick film. Then Sydney jumps off a cliff, opens her parachute. That would, to which I... Like in The Spy Who Loved Me. Like in The Spy Who Loved Me, but was also in Rio de, Rio de Janeiro, like Moonraker. Was there a scene in Rio and Moonraker? Yeah. That was the... Uh, with the uh, jaws, and he's like, oh! Are you thinking it's, of space? Am I thinking... Yes. Well, am I thinking... <laughs> you know that statue of Jesus with his arms open that's circling the moon? That's yeah. where they got it from. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, um, Rio de Janeiro. Remember Jaws is like... Uh, I know what Rio is. Uh, he gets, like, stuck with, like, that uh, Marty... Like, that... Uh, carnival he's like chasing james bond oh you're right and he gets I like remember. stuck in that little like carnival party he's like oh, all right that's just that's, fuck that's, it i can't kill him i'll just dance with these naked women that's yeah so yeah she parachutes in to rio that's very true all yeah. right uh i totally forgot about the i was just sitting here thinking like i need to find another uh and where would she be and how is there a uh that the to what i understand i have very limited understanding of the geography and the topography of rio de janeiro is there a cliff? Is there a cliff higher than the the G, the Jesus uh, the extra point is good statue? Probably not. Yeah. So like she's like cresting down into it, mm. not cresting down. Like she's gliding down towards it. Like she'd have to be yeah, jumping out of a plane, not. yeah, to get that like view is what I'm saying. So, but you're right. I have no idea. Yeah, I, don't know. I didn't watch the Olympics or have those happened yet. They haven't happened yet. <laughs> well, I'm not going to watch those either. No, so <laughs> I don't want to watch people <laughs> swimming in filth. Yeah. I can go down to the Guanas Canal and do that. I, I could watch uh, next week's episode of Alias. Uh, what? What? No. What are you doing? You're so off. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who's swimming in filth? I was thinking of the thing with the car when she's. But that's a spoiler. Why would Stop I spoil? Spoiling. Here? Yeah, it's getting cut. <clears throat> See, this is the fun part of this episode, though. Is the most the most challenging thing to me about uh, about this the redo is not like oh I have to talk about this again. It's how do I not? How do I reproach this as it's the first time I've seen it, just for not spoiling things that we're gonna see? Because there's a lot of stuff that we're gonna be unclear of and be like, "Who the fuck is this?" and "Why the fuck are they talking about?" That we know, we actually do know so much more about, but we have to play. Our only saving grace is the sort of general incoherence of this. Uh, oh God. Of the storyline. Yes. So, cut to Los Angeles. Sydney's meeting with uh, her dad. She's meeting with Arvin. She has surveillance photos of the man. Yep. Who's the man? Uh, I was going to say this could this could have been a, a great uh, tie-in to the Eddie Griffin vehicle, Undercover Brother, where I think the uh, the main villain was also the man, as mm. in Whitey. Right. I remember. Anyway, so we find out who the man is. Yeah. Or he, they're sharing pictures of the man. Yeah. And then back at the CIA, uh, the DSR, the Department of Special Research, they are raiding Vaughn's office. The uh, person in charge of this is Dr. Carson Evans. That's right, Dr. Carson Evans, played by Lindsay Krause. For the Buffy fans, you know her as Professor Walsh. Uh, she was in The Arrival, the Charlie Sheen alien invasion movie. And here's a motif. We brought this up before. Mm-hmm. She's in uh, uh, Imposter. The She's movie. in the movie where Gary Sinise has, has a bomb in his ribcage. Uh, yeah, I have to see this movie. Like, we've brought it up. This is at least the second time it's been mentioned. There's a, there's some strong imposter connections. Yeah. And I, I think last time I confused Gary Sinise with Gary Shandling. I don't think you did. No. <laughs> or Gary, I, Gary Busey, I confused him with some other actor. I would remember Gary Shandling. <laughs> if I just said. And if there was a movie where Gary, Gary <laughs> Shandling had a bomb in his ribcage, this is what that podcast would be about. <laughs> So the Department of Special Research, created to investigate Nazi interest in the occult, and uh, what? What? Sorry, I remember this happening last time. Turns out they call the page forty-seven text the prophecy. That's how seriously they take it. It's a big deal. Did they, did they mention how they got into uh, how the DS? They don't. Well, I guess they, they obviously don't go from it started in World War Two and during this. Like they don't give the entire breakdown, decade by decade, year by year of its history. But how did they get into this whole Rambaldi thing? Is this he like, whole mess? Yeah, is he is Rambaldi just someone people know about? Like yeah, Al- Alistair Crawley, or in this world, like yeah, is he someone who's just like a known uh, mystic, Nostradamus? Yeah, is he one of those folks? And and there are those who kind of know about him and kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool. And there's like 
people that seriously study it and create like Rosicrucian orders of the Knights Templar and shit like that over it. It seems like so it's hard to say because we don't meet a lot of people outside of the world of people who would be familiar with uh, Rambaldi. Right. So it seems like so far everybody's aware. Nobody's nobody's asked Francie what she knows about Rambaldi. (laughs) She knows a lot about Kobe Steak and Kobe Bryant. (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there. But I mean, we don't know. We don't know why. Well, we will soon find out that they give They really do give a lot of shits about the Rambaldi prophecies. Yes. We're kind of figuring out how shit like 9-11 happens when the CIA and DSR are just arguing over some goddamn Da Vinci Code-esque bullshit. Well, when, like, when there's reports on the Taliban that are just like, oh, we'll get to that. That, that is my, uh, my little note for this episode is that I describe it as being a smart Da Vinci Code, which I don't know if that's true. It's not. I've never, I've never read Da Vinci Code. I've never seen the movie. Uh, I have no idea. But I have to imagine that this is smarter than Da Vinci Code. Am I wrong? Wait, like the show in general or like the, the Rambaldi artifact thing? The Rambaldi thing. I can't say. Like, I, I don't. Here's the thing. I wouldn't say it's smarter because it's a whole book where the Da Vinci Code is, is its own layer of bullshit that you're like thrown into and there's people uh, flagellating themselves and... People, yeah, this person is murdered in the the Louvre or whatever. Here we just have this woman who uh, appears to be Jane Bond, and uh, now she's part of this um, centuries-old conspiracy that spans nations and their subgroups of like occult spy agencies uh-huh. for the most part. So it's kind of it's it's still. Alias at this point is still very much like an amalgamation of different things. So it's like, yes, this is the Rambaldi part is it's like Da Vinci Code type matrixy. She's the the quote unquote one kind of fun stuff, but smarter or better than Dan Brown's Angels and Demons. And uh, are you breaking down the uh, the Dan Brown canon? Yeah. So uh, they're gonna run some tests on Sydney. Doctor Watterson's gonna gonna run these tests. He looks like a real creep. Oh yeah. The cigarette smoking man of Alias. Yeah, and uh, which I found tremendously uh, inappropriate given that this takes place in 2002. But then I was like, oh, it's an allusion to a thing. Is this an allusion to... X-Files. X-Files? Yeah. And then the test itself is somewhat an allusion to the Blade Runner... It it seems pretty Voight-Comfy. Voight-Comfy. With uh, at least, I mean, the test itself, it just looks like a poorly designed IQ test. But then there's, uh, I don't know, like the cameras testing her... Her blush response. Oh, yeah. oh no, yeah. When it was a uh, bitter beer face, just like pops in there. And it's like, oh yeah, this is cool tech, right? It's like, what are you talking about? He's like, like, shut up, you <laughs> nerd. It's like, oh yeah, that's reading the heat from her eyes. It gives us her brain pattern. I'm like, what the fuck? You're an idiot. Just making shit up. I wish you were dead. Yeah, that's what we're we're saying what Vaughn is thinking verbatim. Everyone in this episode, they look like they have the flu. Yeah, everyone is is kind of vaguely blue. They look like clammy and sweaty and uncomfortable. And I think that that's just, well, one, it, a lot of it up to this point, it all sort of takes place in, in unattractive government office buildings, which are always, you know, they have terrible lighting. It's terrible lighting. They allow their test uh, proctors to smoke or to hold cigarettes that are somewhat lit and then to show them that, show them smoking them later on, just so we can assume that they're continually chain smoking while they're giving a test. It's a long test. You got to smoke them while you got them. But I, I, I pointed out that, yeah, it's kind of weird to see someone smoking on TV uh, in 2002. But like just the look, like the pale, sickly look of this person. And he's like just unattractive with pock marks. He's an ugly man. Maybe another allusion to Blade Runner's J- Edward James Olmos. But uh, yeah, he's an ugly man. He's not he's not sexualizing or making it look cool. He just looks like a, a stuffy suit. He's an mm. addict, and he can't help himself. Can't help himself. No He's, one does this anymore, and he can't stop. Each one of those is a coffin nail. Yeah. And he won't, he won't stop. That ashtray is full of them by the time we get to that stupid. If, you get, if you're traveling through the woods and you get to a river, would you cross it? Which it's uh, – there's a lot of uh, variables to that question. Uh, river is broadly defined. Yeah. Is it also if I if I'm traveling in the woods, do I need to go? Am I heading in that direction? Maybe I maybe I was told once I get to the river, turn right. 
or turn left. You don't know if I'm going to cross it. Yeah, it's stupid. So uh, they try to run these physical tests on Sydney. She doesn't know what they are. Yeah. She says, you tell me what the hell's going on. I've been cooperative, but I'm not going to be cooperative anymore. Right. Get your damn hands off like, me. Like, you don't need to know. Like, you're, it's above your pay grade. But we're just going to fucking poke and prod you and ask you questions about rivers till the fucking cows come home or till they fucking run out of marble reds. And whichever th- comes first. And then you realize that because uh, bitter beer face, he's like, oh, they're, they're just going to let her leave. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's because like most people, they, they don't get to see her in the field. Right. Uh, certainly not the CIA. Uh, maybe SD6. They know. Like with, yeah. Like SD6 has a better idea. But uh, Bond, of course, knows. Yeah. But they're like, oh, like you couldn't stop her from leaving. She could kill everyone in the room. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was kind of an interesting uh she takes a licking literally and then keeps on kicking it's gross sydney's place will's asking francie to an nba game because he's a racist (laughs) (laughs) oh i didn't even put that together yeah and now everybody looks healthy how pretty is uh bradley cooper he looks great he looks fantastic score tickets uh courtside right something like that yeah he's sitting right next to jack nicholson at the time laura limboyle maybe that sounds absolutely right yeah and uh, he's like he's looking very healthy. Uh, Marin Dungey, very uh, I don't know. Marin Dungey, who's that? That's that fancy. Fancy, yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's Dungey, but I'm gonna say Dungey. Okay. Seems, seems better. Um, and uh, sort of him admitting to himself that he can't have Sydney, and apparently he only has two friends <laughs> that's true you can't take anyone well, else. i know that guy who works at that auto repair shop and the, that's right that weird creep and the guy who uh is the guy in the wheelchair the guy in the wheelchair yeah um whose name i don't oh, remember. do you think he's just like fuck it if there's stairs i can't really take them yeah but eh. it's a drag i have to sit i want to go i want to go see north by northwest <laughs> when the, the theater doesn't have an elevator because <laughs> i'll ask sydney again <laughs> intern doesn't know what the fuck a movie is she's yeah. too young and she's out of there now oh yeah that's right like she uh that already she happened tri- right uh spoiler <laughs> alert maybe i think that already happened i, I think that already yeah. happened um intern's out of there and uh so he can't take her even though presumably she's still in the office i don't know i think she'll come around i think she'll realize tippin has his own motives good for him yeah good for him good for her too Good for the both of them. I hope they're both happy. I hope they find out. I hope they're both happy by the end of this goddamn. We're going to come back and when our wrap-up show when we finish the series. We're going to they better both be so goddamn happy. If Will and his intern aren't married by the end of season 5, uh there's going to be some very stern tweets going at Bad <laughs> Robot who hasn't even added back. They're not following us back on Twitter. Good. At Final Frontiers. <laughs> they have better things to do. Like what? Um, bad like robot things. Cloverfield. Oh yeah. Yeah, please take a hike. Uh, back at SD six, Arvin's identified the man in Sydney's video as Alexander Casanow, played by Derek O'Connor, who also played one of the bad guys in Lethal Weapon two. He looks. Yes, we discussed that. He is the He's one of the South Africans. South African. I'm just making sure I wasn't stepping mom plastic. He tells Riggs that they uh with they were they were responsible for the previous death of his wife yes and he also plays father everett in the daredevil movie ah which also starred uh jennifer garner as electra was she electra in that one? Shows. yeah ah i thought electra oh yeah i guess she shows up at some point because i know she had her own she had her separate electra movie that was a spinoff well okay yeah. um well how do all these He's a member of uh, some other creepy agency. And he's like, well, it's not Russian mafia. They have resources you can't possibly imagine. This is my my Victor Garber voice, by the way. They have resources you can't possibly imagine. Is this where he talks about they're they're cold warriors and they go for a detente? Is this that group? uh, No. Um, Maybe. I don't know. It's the same same conversation, but earlier, I think. They're, They're power brokers, I think Arvin says. Why does it take us... Six months to launch this fucking podcast. While these like evil organizations, they have like a payroll set up, and because they sell drugs and they're sex traffickers. You know how much money, how much liquid assets that kind of shit brings in. Can you imagine being bothered to do that? What sex traffic? (laughs) Any of that? Just like here's a great opportunity to to make millions doing some illegal stuff. I'm like, well, will I have to work past six thirty? 
Like, uh, yeah, frequently. I'm like, oh, fuck that. Well, we got cocaine. Okay. Okay. Uh, we got cocaine and drug-addled prostitutes at your whim. Uh, Probably some good alcohol. It, and then like a bunch sounds, of guns you could shoot in the middle of a nightclub for no reason. This just sounds like I'm going to be uh, hanging out with a lot of shady dudes. Yeah, you're going to be dead by the time. Like you're either the boss or you're like dead by the time you're 40. Yeah, that doesn't appeal to me. Or both. Uh, I don't want to be the boss. Yeah. I don't want to have to answer stupid questions. And I, I, I don't want to be dead by the time I'm 40. Maybe I would have thought that when I was, I don't know, 10. But uh, <laughs> really, now that I'm on the wrong side it's of... It's fucking dark. Now that I'm on the wrong side of thirty, it's um, like a ten year old. I'm like, I want to sell cocaine and be be found in a nightclub when I'm forty, Dad. Just face down in a pile of blood. Why do you make me sound like such a pussy? Where everyone's a pussy when they're ten. <laughs> I don't know anything. We just say yes, please. The bullies hit us. And they, oh, I'm sorry, I bothered you. That's that's ten for everybody. <laughs> that's that's All ten right. for the people that end up doing TV show podcasts in their thirties, <laughs> at least. There's a semblance of accuracy yeah. to that. Yeah, Alexander Kasnow, when he was doing his cool guy podcast about uh, smoking cigars and uh, expensive suits, at ten, just looking like uh, like a Jim, mummy. like it kind of looks like Jim Varney doing like a Spock impersonation. <laughs> um. All right, let me skip. Let me skip past all of my flat screen notes. Uh, Just do the the ruffling of pages. Right. So the alliance needs a quorum to take aggressive action on Casano. So Arvin calls the head of SD Nine, Edward Poole, who is a swing vote. So we cut to a man sitting in a gazebo drinking tea, having his his telephone brought to him by his phone servant. He's like Scaramanga. And Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah. At the time of filming, Roger Moore's 74 years old. Well, he doesn't look 74. He's older than Sean Connery. Yeah. And he's never looked older than Sean Connery to to this day. Uh, What do we know him from? He's Simon Templar, uh, the saint from television's The Saint. He played Bo Maverick on those weird late seasons of Maverick without James (laughs) Garner. Uh, Other things. My favorite trivia... About Roger Moore, who seems like a nice guy. Yeah, um, seems great. A, a little too, little too. Uh, what's the word? A, a little too abiding to his wife, maybe, or to to multiple women. Uh, yeah, a number of his wives have assaulted him. Uh, just in public record, we have <laughs> that he was hit with teapots, bricks were thrown through his windows, guitars were smashed over his head, <laughs> and then worst of all, in 2013. He was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. No! Which, according to Wikipedia, has left him unable to drink martinis. <laughs> um, and then he also does uh, charity work for UNICEF or some shit. So, Roger Moore, a life of ups and downs. M- mostly ups. Yeah, but, I mean, diabetes. I'd say his downs are a lot of people's med- middles. Middles to, like, well, at least I'm not dead. Yeah. And the other two swing votes uh, for this vote to take action against Casanel, Oscar Dunst, and Jean Brio. Okay. That's important later, listeners. And then we find out that Edward Poole, the Al-Anon Roger Moore, <laughs> is coming to Los Angeles. So, perfect. I can't wait to see him in yeah, the City of something Angels. Something to show you in the morning. That'll be that Arvin. Sloan asked Sidney to go visit his wife, which yeah, he go does. See Emily. Yeah. Like go, yeah. She's left uh, Will and Francie hanging. But when you're the boss that you hate, that's a murderer. He says, "Go see my dying wife." You're like, okay. His wife seems like a a nice person. She doesn't know. She doesn't know that her page forty-seven obsessed husband, who just can't find a fucking razor for the life of him, is a. of questionable of questionable morals not a cia guy lying I, to his wife i think she knows a little bit you think she knows she's oh. betraying some knowledge i think really yeah well i i think you think i think we're not there yet no. I, I, we're, we're not eluding the spoilers i have no idea she could be dead the next episode yeah not maybe, maybe she could be dead the next episode that's not a spoiler we don't know well um, in the in the uh when she's talking to to sydney she gives a very a very good ballpark, specific ballpark estimation 
of uh, I'll be dead by Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> yeah. She couldn't say the end of the year. Yeah. She says Christmas. Christmas. Be opening up your stocking to find my not beating heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. And uh, this conversation, for some reason, uh, inadvertently convinces Sydney to go back to the Department of Special Research, get those weird tests done that they want to have done. Right. Because uh, she doesn't want to be left n- not knowing, which it seems that was Emily's regret was I, f- I felt that something was wrong. I didn't want to know. And the doctors told me, hey, if you would have showed up the minute you felt something wrong, we could have treated this. But Sydney hasn't had we don't have any indication that she's had those reservations of that. She's worried that she's actually going to be part of the prophecy. It's more just like, no, you creeps. Tell me what's what's going on. Yeah. And so I have a note here. It says, this didn't work for me. <laughs> this and, don't work for me. And I just think it's funny that apparently everything else in the show so far has worked fine. Because I haven't complained about it. So Emily's anecdote of knowing that something was wrong, falling down right there in the garden, and then finding out it was too late because she was too afraid to that didn't work. Like It's that not I, relevant to Sydney's It's relevant dilemma. because it's irrelevant because Sydney has, for all we know, the justifiable uh, argument that, like, I don't know what you're doing to me. I, I deserve to know. I, like, don't do that. We don't know that she might be afraid that they might be right. So but we, they need she to could convey that afraid. for this to work. I think they did with those little weird, like, flashbacks, and you see that, I don't know, maybe she, maybe... Maybe that part of why she's being so tell me what the fuck you're doing to me is because she she's frankly afraid but doesn't want to show it. Yeah, maybe, but it still doesn't work for me. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> Your ideas are wrong. People are stupid for having listened to this. And I, I hate you. <laughs> her bigger concern is that if she's taken into custody, it could blow her and her father's cover at SD6. You got to show up on time at SD6. They're double agents, as was expressed very loudly in the open halls <laughs> of the nation's capital. Yeah. So she wants to make sure that uh, these goons are translating page 47 correctly. So they have to steal the original key from the Vatican archives, to which Vaughn says, yes, I'll break into the Vatican with you. Better than a hockey game. It might be the most romantic thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Enough that I uh, kind of want to break into the Vatican. Break into the Vatican? That's a good third date. It's as easy as walking past a piano lesson or a vocal lesson. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is happening. Francie's getting ready to go to the game with Will. She says, uh, hey, Will, you know that Kobe Bryant's named after a steak? He knows it. Yeah. Then uh, while Sydney and Vaughn are crawling through the tunnels underneath the Vatican. Yeah. She asked the same question. It's weird writing. Well, I guess it's just uh, little fun things they're talking about. Yeah. So there's this weird music playing as they're breaking into the Vatican. In the original, I learned, it's Hate to Say I Told You So by the Hives, which sounds like would it would be cool. It's a fun song. Because what's playing during this, it's weird enough that I made a note. I'm like, what the hell is this music? Which is how I stumbled on the, uh, this fact. And then I look back and repeatedly they have replaced music like well-known songs with this weird generic placeholder music just like, for copyrights and whatnot right there was a, an anya song back toward the beginning of the series we talked about it in episode 12 we talked it's in the box maybe we talked about it was it that late yeah okay later in this episode there's a song at the club that was uh changed to something really Regrettable, And so I was thinking about that, and I, I watched uh, My Name is Earl on Netflix, and My Name is Earl has a lot of, like, licensed music. It'll ha- it has, like, notable songs by the Rolling Stones and... Brown Sugar? Yeah. Uh, Can't You Hear Me Knocking? Okay. Well, and he, as, he, as he recounts robbing a deaf woman, which I thought was <laughs> Not probably bad. the best use of that song. <laughs> but it has, like, it has, like, a lot of hits from well-known artists. A lot of James Gang, Funk 49. So from what I recall, I mean, I don't remember if I saw that scene where he recounts stealing from the death woman again, but I'm pretty sure they have all of the original music from when the show aired back like in 2005, 2006. Right. So it's interesting that Alias were like, nah, we're not going to give you a hate to say I told you so. I would bet that that was just late enough that they probably made the arrangements with those agreements in mind. That they'll have... Like, the the, the streaming clearance. Okay. That would be my bet. In 2005, really? Yeah. I would bet that it was late enough that they at least had to think about the internet. Okay. Whereas 2002, you know, if you were 
under 40, you use the internet. Excuse me. But uh, if you're, uh, you know, an IP lawyer at, at Disney, you're probably less concerned. So With the music? Well, you're just, you're not thinking about future internet clearance, I would bet. Or future internet use of this thing. Like, at least then, like in 2005, 2006, streaming video is a, a thing on the horizon. Because there was YouTube and stuff by then. So That's true. So, but with with this, they had no idea. They had no idea that yeah, yeah, the artists are gonna want, or the, whoever licensed the music is gonna want to retain the rights to not have it in a streaming service. They're still using embedded QuickTime players. What? Yeah. So they find the Rambaldi text written on the picture frame of uh, a pope, <laughs> some jerk, some some idiot, Cardinal Mushmuckany. He doesn't care for gay yeah. marriage, so like, being, okay, I'm going to cut this motherfucker open, b- burn in hell. Yeah. Um, well, cut the picture open is what Devon's going to do. But yeah, Sydney's like, no, no, <laughs> it's written on the fucking frame, and uh, they just assault a lot of a lot of Vatican, Vatican employees that are just trying to protect the the priceless works of Western history. They got to pay off a lot of people that they molested. So they need those works of art to, to that, auction off. Is that what they do? Yeah, the church. How many people do you think that you would have to molest before you deplete the Vatican coffers? Oh, boy. I've done this math. Cut to Los Angeles. Turns out page 47 always has secret meanings in Rambaldi text. Yeah. Which means that Rambaldi has multiple texts with secret information that are at least 47 pages long. Which seems, uh, I don't know, seems unlikely. I don't know. He made a lot of crazy technological predictions, including he knew what DNA was. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and to not just the idea of DNA, but he knew that it would be sequenced with amino acids yeah, and all that Yeah, he knew shit. a lot about fucking DNA. Yeah. Oh, and also one of the like tests they want to run under, the physical tests, is a lumbar puncture. Yeah. Which is just a fucking spinal tap. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're just going to put you through an MRI, like a standard lumbar puncture. Like, what the fuck? Are... Yeah. Well, she winces. It's clearly painful. Yeah, it's clearly painful. It's just to say, like, hey, we got to run some uh, normal tests that we do on people that are part of some yeah. medieval assholes, arcane prophecies. Arvin, he says, I'm going to Montreal before I head off to London, mm. before I head off to meet Edward Poole. You skip SD9. Edward, Edward Poole comes to Arvin. Remember? Uh, I'll be there in the morning. I, how am I missing so much of my... Impeccable cufflinks and a Windsor knot tie. Edward Poole looks Arvin right in the eye. He opens up his computer. He says, look at this shit. Yeah. You know your friend Jean Brio, who, who's your friend? I look at all this money that he has. And then he closes his laptop very quickly so he can't look at it too yeah. closely. So Edward Poole. We're killing it tonight, by the way. <laughs> So Edward Poole says, uh, we better take care of this. Your friend Prio, he's full of shit. And then Arvin, does he even hem and haw? He just says, I'll take care of it. He hems and, he hems and haws. He says, no, this is wrong. You got the wrong information. And then Poole is like, hey, oh, well, I'm sure we want to get retribution. and uh, But I guess we can just take a gamble and not do anything. Like He, gives it, he makes Arvin feel like an asshole for not wanting to kill his friend that he trained, that, that recruited him in Argentina or whatever. Because for uh, Arvin goes to Edward Poole saying, mm-hmm. listen, we got attacked. We know who this person is. We need, we need to have a unanimous or at least a close to unanimous vote on taking action against the man. Mm-hmm. Was this Kasanov? Kasanov. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd ever want to refer to him as the man for fear of, once again, confusing those people who turn into our, tune into our Undercover Brother podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he doesn't want to kill his friend. And uh, Edward Poole says, like, all right, I'll leave. I guess we could just wait till more uh, SD6 agents or SD agents get killed by McKenna's Cole and his glisteny plasticine face. <laughs> And wait, did is McKinnis Cole alive? Yeah, remember he like skedaddled. I don't know the CIA. Did the CIA get him? I don't know. I can't remember if he skedaddled or the CIA got him. Oh, good for him. My money's way. on skedaddling. Or no, my money's on the CIA got him because they got the uh, that vial of blood or whatever. Right, that weird little jar of cat piss. Yeah, the decoder cat piss. Uh, Arvin says, uh, "All right, well, I guess I'm going to London for this this creepy SD9 meeting." Uh, but first, let me stop off in Montreal. Kill who, a good friend. Who lives in Montreal? French people. Yeah. What's a French name? Jean Brio. Jean Brio. It's, it's like 
Jean and Brie cheese. What could be more French than that? Nothing. Uh, they're standing. Oh, this could be. They meet in a park and they stand very close to one another when they say hello, which I still found very uncomfortable. Why? I don't know. They're like they're like inches away from each other. You're in a park. It's night. They're uh, spies. That's what they do. They don't have to do that. It's the spies uh, and former lovers. Does that make um, it better? I, yeah, I'm not saying it as a. I'm, I'm. You know, I'm not a homophobe. I'm just somebody who respects personal space. Yeah. I'm just saying. What are you? What are you standing right here? You're like you're gonna, gonna breathe. They're on good friends for good friends that haven't seen each other in a long time. It's probably not a big deal. Brio says, "Look at my grandson," and Arvin's like, "Fuck you! Fuck your grandson! Fuck you and your grandson!" He doesn't look more handsome. He just looks like another stupid, ugly French Canadian guy. He's just a stupid baby. And you're his stupid grandfather. And he's never going to know you. And I'm glad you're dead. And uh, then he flies to London. <laughs> After putting two bullets in him. Yeah. London, the secret meeting room with uh, tables that are lined with flat screen, touchscreen yeah. monitors. And uh, uh, so uh, Edward Poole has a seat. Arvin is standing. What's that hierarchy? I thought Arvin was one of the 12. Are we to understand that the alliance of 12 members are the ones that are seating? Seated? Seated, yeah. Seated, and the standing fellows are just uh, like their compi or whatever. Maybe it's an ergonomic standing desk. <laughs> it's just like what, yeah, Arv- like what weirdos have in their office. Yeah. Arvin's got a stand. And he's, got the, uh, he's got the sugar, like, like Roger Moore. <laughs> just bad back. Bad back, yeah. Bad back. It's a nine-hour flight. You want to stretch around. That's true. Though is it from, yeah, of course it is from Montreal. It's just up there. Uh, I think the Alliance, they missed a chance to have old spies playing all of their different SD whatever heads. Let's, let's, come on. They just spent a shit ton of money on, on two episodes of Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. They got Sir Roger Moore. Was he a sir at this time? Probably. They got Sir Roger Moore to put down, to get his wife's permission to come out to do this. Uh, how much more money are they going to spend? <laughs> uh, how much money would it take? To get who? who? Who's in your your spies? I got a list. Rogues gallery. I got a list. Okay. I got James Coburn. Yeah. Michael King. Was he dead at that point? I think he was still alive. Okay. Uh, Val Kilmer. Uh, alluding to Top Secret. Not not Batman. Not well. Not not the Saint. The the nineties movie with uh, uh, Tombstone. With no the Saint. Oh okay. The, the TV adaptation of the Roger Moore show. Uh, the movie adaptation of the Marger, Roger Moore TV show. Yes. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> From True Lies. Uh, that's right. Um, Sir the Alec t- Guinness. The, the titular liar. Yeah. Uh, Patrick McNee, Diana Rigg, uh, the original Avengers. Okay. Not really, um, because the TV show, I believe, did debut after the Marvel comic, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Patrick McGowan, the prisoner, mm-hmm. secret agent man. Uh, Don Adams and Barbara Feldon. That's it. Get smart. Let's get these folks around the table. They could have. I, I, th- I think I might have made this point last time. They could have gotten George Lazenby. They should have gotten George Lazenby. Do you think he and Roger Moore get along? Probably. I don't know. I bet there's not a lot of competitiveness. I, I would. Between, I, I, uh, I'd hope he still like George Lazenby. Still just has like long hair, like in a shaggy beard. It's like I committed to this look, and I'm fucking sticking <laughs> with it. <laughs> it got me fired. <laughs> bury me in this. I don't look. need your fucking millions of dollars to do karate chops. And uh, so they take this vote against uh, taking action against Kazanov. The votes don't swing Arvin's way. Edward Poole betrayed him. Yeah. And he looked fucking cool while he was doing it. He just kind of had that smarmy like, oh, uh, what, what? Did you expect that to go some, uh, somewhere else? Some way else? And then they uh, have a brief confrontation on the courthouse, which doesn't feel good. No. It's gross. Feels tenser than the whatever one where he just... Are you, whatever are you talking about, Arvin? Me? And uh, then Roger Moore gets in the backseat of the car. He gives he has that little, like, uh, like he, like, puts it, like, slaps him with his glove on his chest. Give my regards to Emily. Like, this, like, walks away what smug. What a prick! Yeah. What a prick! Would he say, you, I'll return... What did, what did Arvin say? I'll return the favor, or I won't forget. He says, he's like, you used me to get rid of... Mm. And he's like, he, say, he says, he says that something like, I'm going to get you. He says something classier. It, like, I'll re- how classy could it be on this fucking show? It sounded, it sounded, it's, it was more than I thought Arvin would have in him. He says, I'll return the favor. I think he says, I'll, I'll return the favor. All right. Or I'll avenge you. No, that's uh, <laughs> Ricardo Montalban as Khan. He says something like, uh, yeah, 
It's going to come back. It's going to come back to old Edward Poole. And then he gets in the back seat of a car with the windows aren't tinted at all. And it's a it's right next to right the steps. Ne- right of, next to the steps. It's not, a, it's not across the street. He doesn't go around the corner. It's right in the fucking <laughs> full view of everyone that was just in that fucking meeting. Yeah. And it's Casanel smoking a cigar, just like in uh, Roger Moore and Live and Let Die. Yeah. So uh, Sydney, she gets home from uh, her medical tests. And she got an A, by the way, flying colors for a hot bod. (laughs) Yep. There's a note on the fridge from Will and Francie. We're at the Zebu Lounge. We could have sent you a text, but but we uh, wanted you to drive all the way home. (laughs) Um, We didn't know when you'd get back from quote unquote Boston, which is where she told him she was right. And uh, there's uh, again this generic replacement music, which is really now that I watch it, uh, it's terrible. Like it's really yeah. Or even the music before, hate to say I told you so, because I was listening to it through headphones. It's like this weird, like, ha, ha, ha. Like, it's like this weird, like, techo, techno with, like, uh, like human voice, background, laughs. Mm. Like, it's the scene where, like, they're, they've walked past the woman who's teaching that vocal lesson before they get into the Vatican. Yeah. And then I'm like, what the fuck is up with this music? I'm like, I know that's not, maybe it is. Well, I don't. I'm, I'm hoping that's not re- they replaced whatever was there with that. I think that's uh, a bad creative decision made by the people involved in the show. Probably. Whereas this replacement music, I would bet, was just made by some like ABC licensing guy who. Uh, like, yeah, I can do some ska. I got I got a ska band. I could just layer this over. So they're in this shitty club, and like every other club on TV and movies, it's not loud enough. Yeah, they can have a conversation. They're not doing that thing where they're just like. An inch away from someone's head, just screaming, screaming Ugh. into their ear. Yeah. But then she looks around. She sees all these CIA goons. She sees a guy with yellow hair, apropos of nothing. <laughs> and uh, what does she does? She try to run away. No, she walks up she to them. A, yeah. She's like, oh, she's like, what do you guys want? Yeah. And then they take her into the back of a van where Vaughn is waiting for, her, along with Dr. Carson Evans. And uh, they say, look, you were tested for the following. DNA sequencing, platelet levels, and the size of your heart. Platelet, wait, 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 platelet levels. When did they even know about platelet levels in the bloodstream? What like, do you mean? Who, like, when did we know about that in terms of the scientific community? Not like Rambaldi folk, but yeah. just like Red Cross people? Yeah, like, I mean, that Rambaldi f- folk would have been like, oh, she's a phlegmatic. Right. She's, these they would report, have, uh, check her humors. Right. If she has three fairies that live within her gall, uh, she's the one that we prophesied. Heat the cups. Yeah, heat the cups. Put the cold plate on his chest. God damn it. They don't know. He doesn't know anything about platelet levels or DNA sequencing. I don't even know if they know where the fucking heart is in that time. They, uh, they probably do. That's that I got a little over, I over-exaggerated. Are you talking about 2002? I'm talking about... <laughs> in this country... <laughs> I mean, in Rambaldi time. So he's he's throwing out all these fucking prophecies. I think I think I'm just more pissed that he knows more about like, uh, or he has more of these philosophical predictions or physiological predictions about the human body. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit if he knew about how to put like a goddamn piece of glass into a little decoder, or if he knew about like code language before it was code language. Which I think is in one episode. Like this that is basically, right. yeah, this yeah. is basically coding or something like that. It's like assembly language. Yeah, this is yeah, this is computer language. I don't care if he knows about that or machine learning or whatever. But there's just something about him being like, yeah, this is how DNA works. Check it, check it. Do that test. <laughs> you know, he's gonna, he has like little diagrams of the machines they needed for to do the test. Like what's yeah, going on? Like does he does he know about the. Uh, double helix structure did he learn that centuries before watson and crick yeah is it detailed on page 47 of some other document does he know about the four uh, amino acids that form dna it yeah. seems like he must otherwise i mean what else does he fucking know also is this all on page 47 yeah a dna sequence is very long well he says probably arvin says that page 47 in all of his works so there's other books which did we talk about the fact that Arvin, Arvin has discovered that the SD6, page 47, is a counterfeit. What? She brings it up to Spy Dad, and Spy Dad's like, oh, okay, I'll look into that. And he's like, where's Sydney? He's like, Sydney's at school. It's a distraction. She's aware of your opinion. It's like, two, that, it's like two dads fighting over their, was that their this baby episode? girl. Yeah. Wow. So Arvin is saying, like, yeah, page 47. We there Our page 47 is a counterfeit. Where's Sydney? 
It, it could have easily been that I think our minds are like, oh shit, Arvin's on a Sydney. She did the old switcheroo uh, back at his place. Mm-hmm. It could be that uh, K Directorate did the old switcheroo first. They had it. It's true. Gina Espinosa could have done all sorts of things with that shit. And I hope she did. Let's make things interesting for our heroes. <laughs> Uh, so what are they? They strap her down in the back of this van, whatever that is. She's now property of the government. And then, uh, then Dr. Carson Evans, she reads the prophecy, the prophecy, direct or definite article. <laughs> definite article, the prophecy? The prophecy. Okay. The woman here depicted will possess unseen marks, signs that she will be the one to bring forth my works. Bind them with fury, a burning anger, unless prevented at vulgar cost. This woman will render the greatest power unto utter desolation. Which reads like the sacred scrolls out of Planet of the Apes. <laughs> total nonsense. Yeah. Um, reminds me, you know, it's very obviously Nostradamusy. Yeah. Like the movie with Orson Welles and the guy in the blue hat. <laughs> the guy? Who's the guy in the blue hat? Well, it hasn't happened yet. Or In the Orson Welles movie? Right. Is this like the power from the East that kind of looks like Saddam Hussein? Yeah, but uh, his hat was red, I think. Uh. So not him. It's, uh, it's, it's TBD. And that's, uh, that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Thank God. So we How made a lot of effort for this. We wasted an entire week He's, of progress. Well, that's not, our, it's not our fault. Or we shouldn't, you say, like, we made effort, like, you should be grateful that we went back and did episode 16. They should be grateful. Why? Because uh, we didn't have to do this, but in the interest of being complete and doing right by our loyal fans, <laughs> uh, who I, I'm not sure exists. Yeah, I said some bitterness. A theoretical loyal, loyal I said, fan. I feel like you're <laughs> a angry. man with failed internet endeavors. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he, behind a man ahead him. You're lashing out in anger at at people, <laughs> like you fucking bastards. We're doing this for you, and you don't care. Well, look, if you like it. Why don't you prove me wrong? You can tweet at us yeah. at Final Frontiers. Send us an email. Let us know how we're doing at FinalFrontiersPod at gmail.com. Thoughts, well wishes, concerns. Concerns. We're queries. a little worried about your, your mental state <laughs> after listening to episode 16. Seem mad and tired, just worn out by the idea of watching a TV show and talking about it. You know what? I think the first time that we did this, it wasn't any more sharp or coherent. I think it's, it's. I think our energy level was a bit more uh, uh, up. It was, but it, I don't think it was necessarily more focused or. Uh, I don't know. Or anything like that. I think it's just like a weird episode where a lot of shit happens, and yeah. it's hard to remember where things lie, and it makes it harder to discuss. There's a lot of like, oh yeah, when did that happen? Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Oh. Um, I think it also is just like trying to talk about something you already talked about. All right. Yeah. So uh, tune again, in, tune in next time. To a fresh episode. Yeah, which has already been recorded. It's already been recorded. And I bet it's pretty good. We're, we're, more, we're probably a lot higher on energy drinks and other things. So we're a little bit peppier. And Mitchell didn't ask, but I can tell you, it's called Q&A. Oh. So, uh, yeah, send us your cues on Twitter and we'll A them. <laughs> and we'll A them. Yeah. A them right back at your F. Face? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Until then, I am Matthew. And I'm Mitchell. All right. Have fun. Good night. Hey, everyone. Just a reminder that when we recorded this episode, we were called Final Frontiers. Now we're called Here Come the Warm Gents. Bit of a mouthful, but that's okay. Thanks for listening, and uh, have fun.